It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football. Watch it. You are Locked On Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. The Bengals coming off a victory headed into their bye week. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with my co host, James Rapine. A lot to talk about today, surprisingly, for a bye week on a Monday. The NFL trade deadline, the most important thing in the world happening tomorrow as we record Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, the trade deadline coming. Will the Bengals make any moves? Should the Bengals make any moves? That's where we'll start today's show. We'll continue by talking about the offensive line as today's show will be mostly focused on the offense. PFF very harsh on the makeshift offensive line's performance in week eight against the Titans. We'll talk a little bit about why that is and what the Bengals should do with their offensive line going forward. Finally, the Bengals offense on the whole has dramatically improved in the last three weeks if you go by things like EPA per play, expected points added per play, or DVOA, or any number of advanced metrics. We talk about how much of that is real and how much of that might be a sample size or quality of competition mirage to wrap things up in today's episode. Throughout the week, this bye week, we're going to take a mailbag, we're going to do some mid-season awards we're going to get some of the Bengals fans out in the community on the show so some exciting things hopefully coming up this week as we get through the bye week and into the second half of the season but James trade deadline let's start there for the Cincinnati Bengals where there are questions as to who's available and what they should do as opposed to what they might do the trade deadline This is my Christmas, Jake. I can't wait to talk about it today. I'm so damn excited. The trade deadline is almost here. If only the Bengals had swung that Desmond King move. We'll get into some of the other moves out there that they might make. You Debbie Downer. Right now. The NFL trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday at 4 p.m. This is your Locked On Bengals lead story. I'm Jake Lisko along with James Rapine. And the Bengals didn't make that move for Desmond King that we saw happen on Monday. Went for a sixth-round pick. The standout slot cornerback who the Chargers insisted on playing at safety goes to Tennessee. And you know what? I'm okay with that, James. I don't know if that deal would have made sense for the Bengals anyway. He's on an expiring deal. They've already got a slot corner. So this is the kind of thing you do and you're hoping for a cop pick. You're hoping to win now and you have a dire need at the position. And so that trade aside, 
Those are the kinds of deals that we would like the Bengals to make. Certainly find a player who's available for, I mean, if it's a six round pick, you're, you're giving that away without thinking twice, but looking at the deadline for the Bengals, the most likely move I think we can agree on is that John Ross may be traded. People are asking, what about Geno Atkins? What about AJ Green? I see both of those as significantly less likely to occur than a potential John Ross trade. No doubt about it. At this stage, John Ross, he wants out. He publicly said it, and he's the most quiet guy on the planet. So if if he is willing to tweet that out and, and make that known, it's pretty damn clear. Imagine what's going on behind closed doors. So I think he wants out, and I don't buy this narrative that – that there's no trade offers or there's no takers. I think there will be a team. Maybe not yet. Maybe they're dragging their feet trying to get Will Fuller. But I think there will be a team or teams interested in Ross. You're not going to get a lot. Probably a seventh rounder. Maybe a conditional sixth if you're lucky. But there will be a team or teams interested in John Ross. And I, I think the Bengals should move him because they've clearly moved on. And, and it's time for both sides to part ways. So the the John Ross experiment should end. They, they shouldn't make Zach Taylor deal with the awkwardness of the final eight games of his Bengals career by keeping him around. It's a bye week. You can do it. You've basically promoted on Tate to, to wide receiver for it makes a ton of sense. This is really the, the time to do it. So you might as well do it. Yeah. The, the risk for the Bengals is pretty negligible in trading Ross away. He's clearly not a plan for your future. And what are you worried about? Like all of your receivers get hurt and <laughs> you want a guy at least with some talent in John Ross to be available down the stretch. I mean, Think about the long-term potential. I mean, even if it is a seventh-round or sixth-round pick, at least that's something in return for a player that you're simply not using. They would even save a small amount of money against the cap, I believe, with about half of that money being saved for rest-of-year commitments to John Ross. But I, I agree with you, James. They should find a way to deal Ross. And maybe they find a, a player that somebody else isn't planning to use, like B.J. Finney, that they could potentially use or potentially get some depth from, take a flyer somewhere. But what else should the Bengals do? A.J. Green, a potential question. Geno Atkins, a potential question. And I think we agree on this, James. If they're not a part of your plan for the future, you should try to trade them while they have a semblance of trade value. 100%. And so what I think the Bengals should do is entertain offers for green i still think he can contribute i think he contributed sunday and was a big part of their offense with two catches because he was drawing the number one corner which makes life easier on everybody else especially against a team that only has one legitimate corner in malcolm butler and, and so if you're the Bengals, why wouldn't you be i would shop i'd be willingly calling teams hey green bay are you interested in aj green okay what about a slightly used john ross Hey, New Orleans, same thing. By the way, both teams are reportedly in the wide receiver market. I, the Eagles, another team in the wide receiver market. I, I, I think there are a lot of teams that would be open to A.J. Green. I'm not giving him away for a sixth. I'll tell you that. I, I'm not in that park where, you know, in that area of let's get something instead of nothing. Uh, but if Green Bay offers a late four, I have three fourth round picks. If they offer a late four, I'd probably consider it, you know, if, if you can move up 80 spots from, you know, the third round to this, you know, or the fifth round to the third round or something like that, who knows, Th then you consider it. And, and so, yeah, I, I think you have to shop green. You have to shop Atkins, not take calls, shop them. That, I mean, that's what I would do. 
and uh, and just see. But I, I don't I don't think Ross and Green are in the same category as far as just take what you can get. I I, I wouldn't say that. But if you do get a good offer for Green, you certainly have to consider it, given the fact that he doesn't look to, like he's the same guy. He's on pace for 600 and I believe it's 34 yards or 32 yards off the top of my head. I'm really close on that. He's on pace for 62 receptions, something in that range. I mean, it's it, it's rough. So you're going to have to at least listen to offers here because there's a chance that A.J. Green's days of being your your top wide receiver or even your second best wide receiver, there's a chance that those days are over. The one consideration for Green is if he walks, how much do you expect him to make on the open market? And if they think they can get a better comp pick than they can get in a trade for A.J. Green, they might just let him walk. That's my nightmare, Jake. Uh, Halloween's over, all right? Stop g- giving me nightmares with your Freddy Krueger looking. I'm just kidding about the Freddy Krueger comment, but that's ridiculous. If the Bengals are even thinking about comp picks this offseason, I'm going to bang my head against the set- desk so hard I may look like Freddy. That is, they better be so invested in adding to this team and adding free agents, much like they did in March, that comp picks aren't even a discussion. I don't want them to be in the running for comp picks, and I certainly hope they're not thinking about them now before the trade deadline. And I get it why you said it, Uh, and I'm not knocking you because that is and has been their philosophy. But you got Joe Burrow, like that's why I want them to be aggressive here and aggressively accumulate assets that can help because. That might not necessarily using those picks. That might mean flipping those picks this offseason for the disgruntled right tackle that you really want to get or the the right guard that makes sense and he's a veteran and he's going to hold down the interior of the line for the next five years. It's To me, those are the type of moves you have to make now, but you have to have the foresight to come off of players. And I like Green. People on this podcast have heard me champion him. Right? I still think he can be an effective player. At the same time, most players on this team have a price and number 18 didn't for a decade. He does now. And I think the Bengals should certainly be willing to part with him at the deadline. The cap situation is just going to be really interesting to watch. And I think that might impact the way teams are making decisions now in a way that is a little bit invisible to everyone else, because we really don't have a clear idea. We have some ideas, some vague ideas of what the cap might look like next year. But we're, we don't know what the Bengals' plans are for you know guys like Carl Lawson and William Jackson. And I'm sure if they feel like they need to give those guys extensions, they're currently looking at $45 million in space projected for 2021. I, I would suspect that implicates impacts their, their calculus on this A.J. Green decision a little bit. But to your point, I generally agree. They, they certainly have pieces that, that they can cut for cap space if they need it and use that money elsewhere more efficiently. Coming up next, offensive line, James. One of the places we probably think they should use some of that offseason money. What should they do for the rest of 2020, though, to keep Joe Burrow upright until we get a chance to get into free agency next year? Jake, I woke up early as hell this morning, and by the time noon rolled around and it was time for me to, to have a little workout time, I got to the gym and I was already exhausted after a Sunday after a game. It's rough. So guess what I turned to? Built Go. You guys hear us talk about Built Go. I don't like coffee, so I use Built Go to break through a wall. And it is amazing. It's a healthy replacement for an energy drink, but the energy isn't fake. It lasts and it's natural. 
Built Go comes in three amazing flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. I go to the mint all the time. I'm a chocolate mint guy. They come in easy to take one and a half ounce packages. So you can take them anywhere you go. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better for your body. Check it out right now. Go to BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, James, we'll see what happens with the trade deadline. We'll hopefully have something to talk about tomorrow in that regard. But outside of the trade deadline, the next topic for the show The offensive line. The Bengals made some moves in this area, of course, last week. One of those immediately and unexpectedly thrust into the game in Quinton Spain, who played admirably at left guard in a game that he wasn't expected to play in. Billy Price was teaching him the lingo on the fly in the game. He got zero zero snaps in the walkthrough, according to Billy Price's post-game interview on Sunday. They also have BJ Finney coming along, and we'll find out what the plans are for him. But the question that was my most commonly asked question today, James, on Victory Monday as I went through and tweeted all the things that I always tweet on Monday is, what's the plan for the offensive line going forward? And these questions amplified today after PFF grades were actually pretty harsh on a unit that got a game ball from Zach Taylor and that I thought on my initial rewatch was serviceable. And so let's start with the PFF grades quickly because I do have some theories here. But but what's your initial reaction there? I know that all Bengals fans that are listening right now are like, there's no way they were that bad. That's insane. I don't trust PFF, blah, blah, blah. Well, I I wouldn't go that far. I I just think it's a reminder that PFF is one metric. And so uh, not to say they're wrong either, but I also don't think you can use one metric regardless of what it is, QBR, quarterback rating, anything yards as the the end all be all and and you can use it you could take it into consideration but yeah i mean did burrow hide a lot of the flaws on sunday absolutely i think we can say that you can't really praise his pocket presence and his ability to break tackles and have the most amazing six yard run in the history of the nfl without saying oh well he's he was under pressure at times and, and he just he got rid of the ball quick zach taylor deserves credit there we talked about all those things in the post game so I, I was shocked at how low they were, that low, but I'm not surprised that they all didn't have 70 grades because they weren't, it wasn't that type of performance. It was a performance that we were dreading. People were literally fearful for Joe Burrow's health given four or five starting offensive linemen out on a, on a game going up against, I get it, it's a bad pass rush numbers wise, but a guy in Jadavian Clowney who could certainly get after the passer is certainly physically gifted enough to do so. And the fact that they held their own. So they deserve credit in the the PFF grades. I'm not saying they're wrong. At the same time, 
I, I think that it, it's it's probably closer than we realize, and it's not there's not as big of a discrepancy. I, I think at Paul Brown Stadium, they're probably like, yeah, there's a lot of things we could do better in the trenches moving forward. I think that any observer would agree, and and I have some theories as to why the grades were what they were. For one, Dion Calhoun, Shaq Calhoun, when he was in the game, I could see why they pulled him. On his only drive of the game, he had a false start. On the very next play, I think he blew a pickup on pressure in the A-gap. And then he had an issue in the red zone that led to the drive stalling. So he, he had three standout bad plays on the first drive. And I think that the Bengals saw that and they said, hey, I know you know the terminology, but uh, there was a certain stabilizing force that Quentin Spain came along with. He was at least playing NFL. He looked like he belonged in the NFL. You know, he, he's got the size. He, he had some really nice pickups and pass blocking. He moved some piles on some on some run touchdowns. And it's important to note that the offensive line generally graded very, very well in run blocking. And, and it was in pass blocking that some of the surprising grades came up. Billy Price, for example, below 20 as a pass blocker. Did he have individual pass blocking reps that he lost? Not as many as you would think from looking at that grade, but he did have some snap issues. And I think that that probably contributes to the pass blocking grade. Part of the responsibility as a center is to deliver a snap. Like this is a very baseline thing. Deliver a snap to your quarterback where he expects it, that keeps him in the pocket, that starts to play off in a good direction. And Billy Price had one notably bad snap, but he had some others that that weren't on target as well. Real quick with Price. I was listening to to Dave Lapham and Dan Hort talk about it and Lap said, man, you better get Price off the trade block if he's on there. They just traded for B.J. Finney. They obviously have their starter in Trey Hopkins. Do you consider moving Price? I absolutely would. If there are teams that saw Price's performance and think that he played well, I would take whatever you get for him. I know Zach Taylor praised him for doing his job the right way, but I don't think there's a future for Billy Price on this team. And going back to my point in the in the trade conversation – if, if there's not a future, if he's not part of the plan, get get what you can get for him, right? And, and it doesn't apply to everybody, obviously, but uh, I think that the, that it does apply to Billy Price because he, he did have some nice plays, for sure. But the, the same habit showed up, to be honest. There, there's still some lunging in his game that, you know, his lunges actually hit home. He, he You know, the, the play where you see the top of Billy Price's helmet, the face mask pointed toward the ground. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I know they do. That was in the game. That still exists. He just happened to hit his target a few times when he did that. The, the, the athletic limitation is still there. And, and all this is to say that some of those limitations still exist for Billy Price. I think he's largely the same player. I don't think he deserved a 20 pass blocking grade unless there are a lot more issues with snaps than I paid attention to. But I was surprised to see that Quentin Spain was below a 50, I think, in pass blocking or in the 50s. And Hakeem Adeniji in the same kind of range. The right side fared a little bit better. But on my rewatch, I was mostly paying attention to the left side. And I thought that they held up pretty well. But here's the thing is there were very few true pass blocking snaps. There's a lot of quick sets, a lot of quick throws. And for those kinds of plays, you're not getting a whole lot of credit from PFF. If you can hold your pass block for a second and a half, that's not a pass blocking win. And on the other hand, if you're keeping in seven to block three and you do it successfully, which they did a couple times, it's not a pass blocking win. So 
They didn't ask a whole lot of the offensive line. Hakeem Adenogy did get beat a few times. They did have some communication issues on the inside. And so I can kind of see where it's coming from. But I, I also expected it to be more like in the 60s and in the 50s. I totally agree. I, I Like, that's the thing. I thought it was a passing grade. I didn't think it was a, a blue on the PFF scale where it's like, oh, what standout performance. But I didn't think it was red either. And, and it, it, it's just, it, it is it is what it is. But again, in that circumstance, in that situation, everyone would have taken what this group gave them. Everybody. Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, the fans, everyone. And it, it's not going to be at least I don't think it's going to be. Let me ask you, do, do you think this group, and I asked Zach Taylor this, and he dodged the, the question and is extremely elusive and slippery in Zoom conferences, but I, I asked him, look, have any of these guy, guys earned more playing time with their performance on Sunday? And he dodged it. So I'll ask you, do you think the starting lineup changes, not based on injury, but based on what any of these guys have done or did do on Sunday? This was the most commonly asked question on Twitter today. I think I'd love this segment with that. And and I don't think that this leads to substantial changes. The biggest one is, is maybe Quentin Spain gets in there. But the question is where? He's been a left guard his entire career. Maybe they try Mike Jordan at right guard. But he's been a left guard in, in Cincinnati pretty much the entire time he's been there. But you're obviously not replacing Jonah Williams. Bobby Hart's not coming back. So that probably stays as Fred Johnson. I don't think Price is unseating Hopkins. So you're looking at the guard positions, and the question is, does Quentin Spain get a starting spot? And Mike Jordan is coming off the best game he's had this season against the Browns. He just happened to be sick. And so the question is, does Spain take over at right guard with Xavier Suofilo potentially coming back? I don't think so. I think that all these guys except the right tackle are probably back to backup roles. Spain's the one that stands out to me. Right. And I wouldn't mind if you could have the argument about Fred Johnson, but if Bobby Hart is healthy, he was starting to play better. And so Spain to me, I think Michael Jordan's a guy that always kind of needed some development and the coaches have given him a, a long, a long leash and partially because they don't have anyone behind him. Well, now you got a dude behind him and that might not be week 10. You know, it might take a, a week or two to get Spain up to, to, uh, to task and, and up the speed on every single little nuance of this offense. But I think that's a guy that deserves to, to get a shot at one of these guard spots. And, and who knows, right guard, I think that's kind of wide open. Redmond's playing well enough. I'm not going to give that away. But when Xavier Suofilo comes back, I'm open to having that become a competition or, or, or that leash for Redmond get shorter. Up next, we'll continue to discuss the offense. Are you buying it? Joe Burrow in the Bengals offense has crushed it the past three games. We'll discuss that next right here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jake, this offense has been just crushing it the past three weeks. They've scored 96 points, 31 against the Colts, 
34 against the Browns, another 31 on Sunday against the Titans. Are you buying this? Is this the Bengals offense despite the flaws, despite uh, a young coaching staff, despite a, a flawed offensive line and a rookie quarterback and heck even a young potentially number one receiver in T Higgins. Is this the offense moving forward? And do you expect them to be this explosive or, or this productive is probably a better word in the second half of the season. They face some really bad defenses in this stretch, which makes me temper my expectations a little bit going forward. And even the strengths of the defenses they did face in in this stretch of games were not the pass rush. And it seems like uniquely what bothers this team is the Joey Bosa's, the, the TJ Watts that they're going to face in week 10. That's the thing that seems to disrupt them more than anything else because Joe Burrow is good enough if he has time to, for the most part, beat good secondary play. And and I think these receivers have shown that even when they're in tight coverage, they've gotten to the point in the last couple of weeks where Joe Burrow, he I think I saw a few people talk about how he leads the league in throwing these tight window throws, and they've been quite good in that area. I retweeted a quote today from, uh, I think it was Sharp Football, that, that talked about the, the the small window throws and Joe Burrow leading the league in that area. That's not something you want to do. You want your receivers to get separation. You don't want to be throwing tight window throws, but they're doing it and they've been very effective with it. And there's several examples of this. And, and you point out T. Higgins, he's been great at, at the contested catch. Sideline play, the the, the fourth down, the, the scramble drill. There, there's a couple plays where T. Higgins really stands out in that regard. So the question really is, how much will it hold up against some of the better defenses in the league that they're going to face? Will it completely come apart the way it did against Baltimore, or will they still be able to put up, you know, 25-plus points against Pittsburgh, against Baltimore when they play them again? And even Washington, by the way, who we kind of thought was a, a really bad team, and I think they are a really bad team, but that defense in Washington is actually legit. So, so here's what I'm buying, and here's what I'm not sure I'm buying. There is some tangible improvement in, in play calling in Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow in Joe Burrow's ability to get into the right play at the line of scrimmage. Joe Burrow still as accurate as he's been, but, but some of the receivers are more ready for his style of throwing. That has improved, I think, a little bit. I don't really know if I buy that the, that the offensive line has improved, and that's what makes me worried with two matchups against the Steelers, Chase Young and the Washington football team and one more game against Baltimore coming up. But you look at Ben Baldwin, who tracks EPA per play on offense and defense and does his tier list based on that. The Bengals, I believe, have the most improved offense in the NFL over the last three weeks. On top of that, they have the third best offense in the NFL by the same measure in the last three weeks, up there with the Chiefs. And if you're performing that well, then at least something is improved now the degree to which it's improved i think we'll find out and the offensive line feels like the key at the same time i do want to see burrow against for example the ravens the second time i am curious to see how he fares against a really good steelers defense and my concern would be and let's just say the offense stays personnel wise where it is right now i know they've had some big plays but every once in a while, you need the 80-yard breakaway. You need the guy just streaking downfield and, oh, Burrow throws it deep in. 
And I, I'm just wondering who's going to be the one streaking downfield to, to make that catch and, and take it 80 yards. And, and you're going to need a couple of those in the second half. The good offenses, the great offenses, they do have that. Very few offenses outside of maybe the Saints, and I wouldn't even necessarily right now consider them a great offense without Michael Thomas. I, they, they don't do that. that you know, And, and so I, I think that most offenses that are going to be this high end and average 30 a game and do that, they're, they're going to have a couple big plays here and there. And that, that's the one dynamic that's missing. And you could blame it on a, a variety of reasons. And, and maybe T does bring that element and he does develop into that as the season progresses, but I'm just not sure they have that dynamic right now. And that is a concern unless green, you know, gets in a time machine and takes it back to 2016 or something. I'm not sure they're going to find it. That is definitely a long-term concern. I'm also going to be interested to see how the offense changes when Joe Mixon comes back, James Giovanni Bernard has been the guy for the last couple of weeks. And yes, I know that the defenses haven't been very good. If you buy the Colts defense is good. That's the only defense that they've, that they've put up these good numbers against. Although the Browns do at least have Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward back there. I wonder if that will cause some of the tendencies we've seen improve, such as more first down running, less second and wrong, second and long running, more deep shots. I wonder how that changes with Joe Mixon in the game, because clearly, as has every coach that has had Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, Giovanni Bernard is trusted much more as a pass blocker. And it does seem like that particular aspect of the game flows a little bit smoother with Geo than with Joe. It's crazy, Jake, because I found myself and asking myself multiple times today, man, wouldn't it be nice if they just had two Geos? Just just two guys that could do exactly what Geo does, because this offense just feels like it it flows so much cleaner and so much more efficient. And yeah, that they run it, but they know their identity and it's passing and put the ball in Burrow's hands and he's going to make the right decisions and just put it on his shoulders and that's it and that's the key is is maybe when mixing comes back you don't fight that you just let it happen and in the the it might come down to his pass blocking and, and that's a concern man because to me I think of Mixon and if you can get him doing some of the same things that Geo's done over the past couple of weeks you love that dynamic and you love being able to get him in space and do those things. And I'm okay if he gets five carries as long as he's involved in the offense, right? Or 10 carries like Geo's gotten. It doesn't have to be 25 carries for Mixon if they're, let's just give Mixon the ball to give Mixon the ball. I want it to be a part of the offense. And, and that's kind of the key, right? The, the great running backs, the truly effective ones in the NFL, the Alvin Kamara's. Well, it's a part of the Saints offense to get him involved the way they do. It doesn't feel like they're giving him the ball to give him the ball because he's the star. And I think that's kind of the key with Mixon. He's, uh, they almost go out of their way to do it sometimes, and it, and it hurts him. Yeah, I think that there's one idea that I really like. The Bengals have been using a lot of reverses because they know that they can't really run to the edges right now with their current personnel, so they're using reverses to do so and, and jet sweep stuff. I really like the idea of using Geo and, and Mixon on the field at the same time in those roles because both of them are capable receivers. You don't love your tight ends at this point as receivers. So if you're going to go spread, and they are a spread offense, then then you could use that personnel package. And you can even use Auden Tate as a move tight end. That's essentially how they're using him at this point, in my opinion. They, they had him in line. He had a great block on Jadavion Clowney on a touchdown run, for example. So 
they could get a little bit creative with their personnel that way too. I know that a lot of Bengals fans would love to see Gio and Joe on the field together. And that is another option. Many different ways they could go. I think they're using the personnel on offense pretty creatively. I like the designs in the run game for the most part. The inside running game is working for them. They've figured out a way to use their offensive line in a way that they can reliably get decent yardage on those runs up the middle. And I'm excited to see how they continue to improve on the running game because overall that the play calling has improved, the tendencies have improved, execution has improved, and I think they've gotten more creative as this year has gone on. So I'm, I'm, I would say buying about 50% of the offensive improvement with, with a little bit more proof needed, maybe 60%. What about you? That's fair. I I wouldn't. I don't know if I could give it a percentage. I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with Burrow. I'm buying all the Burrow stock. He's a stud. But I still have some questions about Taylor, even though things look great recently. And obviously the offensive line, personnel issues, things like that. But who knows? Maybe they'll trade for Evan Ingram. And we, we could talk about how he fixes and, and can fit into this offense. What do you think, Jake? And we'll see if we're talking about the, that tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, trade deadline. Trade deadline. Uh, One last note before we get out of here. Joe Burrow, now the top-graded PFF quarterback in the AFC North. Until tomorrow, Bengals fan, we're going to do a mailbag. We're hopefully going to get somebody on. I'm going to send some DMs tonight and see who we can get lined up for tomorrow, James. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.